0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of New Books in Islamic Studies. I'm your host, Christian Peterson. Every program, we choose a new book in Islamic Studies that's especially interesting, and we chat with the author of that book. For this program, I had the pleasure of speaking with Afsar Muhammad about his great new book, The Festival of Peers, Popular Islam, and Shared Devotion in South India, which was published with Oxford University Press in 2013. Several studies about Islam in Asian contexts highlight the pluralistic environment that Muslims inhabit and the interplay of various religious traditions that color local practice and thought. In this book, we are given a first-hand account of the devotional life and dynamic setting that produces one such example. Muhammad documents public rituals and devotional stories revolving around a Sufi master and the 300,000 pilgrims from throughout South Asia who travel to the small village of Gugudu. In The Festival of the Piers, we are shown how the events occurring during the month of Muharram and the narrative of the Battle of Karbala are transformed into a meaningful local frame. Here, the importance of the local becomes clear while both Muslims and Hindus participate in these events. In fact, participants identify their practices as Kulyapa Bhakti instead of the more singular categories we are familiar with, such as Muslim and Hindu. Muhammad also examines the tensions that arise between these types of practices, and the reformist activity of Muslims following what they call true Islam. In our conversation, we discuss frictions between mosque and shrine cultures, textual authority, the role of Telugu language, local and localized Islam, political sermons, public rituals, temporary asceticism, and religious identity. Here's our conversation. Thanks for listening to New Books in Islamic Studies. Hello, today I have the pleasure of speaking with Afsar Muhammad. Uh, welcome to New Books in Islamic Studies, Afsar. How are you? Hey, Christian. I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing great. I, I really appreciate you making the time to uh, to speak with us about your great book, The Festival of Peers, and <laughs> uh, I really look forward to you elaborating on this very vivid picture you, you paint for us in the book. So, uh, before we get into the book, though, I was hoping you could uh, give our listeners a little bit of background about how you've got interested in Islamic studies, perhaps um, individuals that might have been influential on how you approach um, the study of Islam mm-hmm.
1: uh,
0: or theoretical perspectives, something like that.
1: Uh, yes, Christian. Uh, it's actually a long story. Uh, not that easy to make it shut. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, everything begins at home. So when you say training... It's in two modes for me, formal and informal. My mother, being a very strict Sunni Muslim, was very particular about my training in the Quran and the five pillars of Islam. It's in our family to complete the Quran before we arrive at the somewhat troublesome age of the teens. My mother would say, if you don't complete the quran before your teens your life would be incomplete and you remain unfinished person she taught me arabic and urdu with lots of love and motherly authority as well the training was really vigorous getting up at the 4 Before the sunrise, the morning prayer, and then at least two hours of Arabic and the Quran. You know, it's lots of memorization. So much memorization that I would see these Arabic letters dancing in my dreams. And for every act of daily life, including the nature's call, I had one obligatory verse or surah. From the Quran. You know, Christian, when it comes to story time, she would never fail to tell the stories from the Hindu classics such as the Ramayana, Mahabharata, and Bhagavata. Despite her strict Sunni practices, her ability to enjoy and sharing these Hindu stories made me develop a comparative vision for both religions and, in essence, a pluralist viewpoint at an early age. And the story is not going to end there. Quite contrary to my mother's life for her, my father, <laughs> being a very devoted leftist and a progressive writer, always encouraged me to read his favorite leftist writers. And now you can easily guess the configuration of my personality. A cute bundle of contradictions. Yes, cute, because I love contradictions. And an offshoot of endlessly conflicting viewpoints, literally driven from pillar to post. See, stories never, never end. Again, this story took a different turn when I arrived at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. As I explained in the preface to my book, uh, The Festival of Peers, the life in Madison made me take big leaps in my personal and professional paths. My mentor, Professor Welcheru Narayan Garu, while receiving me at the airport of Madison, His very first sentence was, oh, this is going to be a very, very big adventure for you in many ways. Hmm. Then I said, hope it won't be a misadventure. Hmm. Of course, adventures and misadventures are not that uncommon for me. That's a difficult and different story. At the University of Wisconsin-Madison, I got an exposure to new research and uh, study methods. This academic training had its foundation in a trajectory of cultural studies, religions, and anthropology. I had wonderful teachers who really loved my work and made me rethink the questions of religious identities and narrative traditions. Most importantly, They taught me how to learn and what to learn from the field and from the people. When I started writing my dissertation under the guidance of Professor Charles Halsey, it was a big challenge in several ways, including my personal transformations. Professor Halsey has been very compassionate and also a tough advisor. It was never an easy task to convince him about any of my ideas or arguments. He always would find a new question to unsettle me. Madison is an ideal place for a South Asian scholar thanks to its uh, summer language programs, the big South Asian annual conference and the Thursday seminars. No doubt, I took maximum of all these fabulous sources the academic training i had in medicine helped me several ways in connecting myself to a larger domain of social cultural and religious theory actually the process what we call putting in a perspective took a positive turn in this training
0: now, officer, um, for this particular project, uh, which developed out of your dissertation, um, how, how did this uh, how did this project develop? What what made you go uh, this route?
1: Right. Uh, before uh, this project, uh, you know, Christian uh, was a published writer and poet in my home language Telugu. Uh, Then when I arrived in Madison, my early plan was to work on Muslim writing in India. I wanted to translate and discuss contemporary writings that explore the complexity of Muslim identity. Then when I started my work, soon I realized that this question of Muslim identity needs a more nuanced study and mere focus on literary texts would not help me in comprehending the contours of this identity, formations, and dynamics. Written narratives are no doubt wonderful, fabulous sources. However, the real story of the Muslim identity must be told from... From the lens of oral narratives and their public manifestations. So, sainthood stories and public devotion have become my keywords in this search. And then, the public event of Maharam actually is called Pirla Pandaga, the festival of peace, that is, the festival of saints in my home language, Telugu. I grew up participating and performing in this public event of Mahuram in my village. And when I was in Hyderabad, the capital of the South Indian state of Andhra Pradesh, Hyderabad is well known for it is a she-model of this public event of Mahuram. In 2002, even before planning to write a dissertation on this event, I wrote a short story based on the idea how this event provides a public space for women to articulate their devotion to the family of the Prophet Muhammad. The story was narrated by a female voice and I had a pretty good sense of how the story of Maharam and its publicness made an impact on women and other marginalized groups of a specific social setting. So this project began out of my own curiosity and love for the public event of Nocturne. The stories about the historical Karbala were a significant part of my childhood. Writing this book is almost like going back to the childhood and retrieving those memories. However, I began asking a different question about this event. We know how important is this public event of for Muslims, either Shi or Sunni Muslims. But my question is, why it is equally important for non-Muslims in India? In the case of India, it is not just about Islam or Hinduism as a religious system. It is more about the caste system. We have several caste groups that are more dominant, less dominant, Higher and lower and at different levels of social stratification. Despite these multiple differences and different layers, the public event of Mohoram is a big thing, big event for almost all of these castes. For some of these caste groups, it's part of their caste history, and for some families, it is their family story. It is really amazing to see how one story takes on these different colors. The family of the Prophet, most importantly, the grandsons of the Prophet, Hassan and Hussein, are like homeboys for many of these families, castes, and villages. I wanted to understand how one story that took place several thousand miles away somewhere in Iraq, and some hundred of years ago, becomes a story of here and now. How do local people understand the past of the history in the present times? My book is a response to many of these questions. Uh, What I did was just to put them in a larger frame and theoretical kind of uh, perspective reworked on those questions by changing it to how does various practices and stories of one discrete religion turn into a source of devotion to other religions? And how this exchange of devotional modes takes a shape in a public space? And now it's a long journey for me, rethinking various devotional concepts that are already familiar but now that began to look unfamiliar and various stories that I have known since my childhood now turned into new sources of learning. There is lots of learning and unlearning here, Christian. Yeah. And
0: uh, you do a very good job here. And I I think um, one of the really interesting uh, kind of theoretical uh, lenses I think that you're, putting here, is this distinction between uh, what you call localized Islam uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: versus local Islam. I yes. wonder if you could kind of outline uh, what those two are and then the relationship between them for us.
1: Yes, Christine, that's a great question. Actually, that is the core of the book, uh, uh, but uh, what we call the process um, uh, coming to these uh, two Uh, big key concepts local and localized Islam for me the process is still incomplete even though the book is out (laughs) we're always in process right? (laughs) right right Uh, I must say that the field research made my life more complicated (laughs) (laughs) and it took me lots of time to put everything on paper Before going to the field research uh, in my primary site, I had several conversations with uh, Professor Joyce Flukigan, who has always been my inspiration. Joyce was always there to talk to me whenever I had questions about my field research. I just needed lots of practical advice at that point, and I tried my 100% to follow her advice which I usually don't do as far as the field work is concerned. First thing she told me was to keep a logbook of everyday conversations and visits. And then when I was in this remote village of Gugudu, the border pilgrim center in South India, that connected three South Indian states, three different languages, three different cultures. I was in this uh, pilgrim center for nine months. Yes, real nine months, pregnant with so many thoughts and questions. By the end of these nine months, I had a big bundle of several notebooks filled with lots of stories, anecdotes, and conversations. Now, when I look back into these notebooks, it is shocking to learn how much I left out from my field. I still have lots of materials in these notebooks. By the time I arrived at my research site, I had several discussions with Professor Joyce and other friends about the key concept of vernacular Islam. Even before this, I read Dale Eichelman's famous essay on local Islam. I also liked the idea of resolute localism of Yang Seng Ho. Recently, Asmin Saikia's book talked about lived Islam as an emancipatory space. On the other hand, we have studies on Maharam by Vernon Shulwell, Sayyadabhar Haider, David Pinoy, Richard Wolf, Amy Bard, and Karen Ruffle from various aspects. Most importantly, I have my favorite book, Jose Trinidad by Frank Coron, always with me while traveling and doing field research. We also have studies on different schools of Sufism, from Carl to Carla Bellamy. Adding to this, we recently began to understand how Hindu-Muslim encounters work in a religious space. I had to deal with this trajectory of local, vernacular, lived Islam, the Muharram studies, and Hindu-Muslim encounters. The public event Muharram is a blend of multiple aspects of devotion and social life. It has a fascinating literary and oral narratives amazing rituals, and devotional practices. And there has been an interesting and intriguing dimension of Islamic mysticism. So when I started gathering materials, transcribing them from Telugu and Urdu oral narratives, and translating them into English, which itself is a challenging task, I realized that my work is not just a childhood memory of fascinating stories, and the night-long religious displays of the metal battle standards of the martyrs of Karbala. I have to deconstruct my childhood and its standard movements, which is very painful. But it is the need to understand myself and my communities and their love for this public storytelling of all. I was so fascinated by these new stories that, Every day, returning from the field, I would narrate these stories to my wife, Kalpana, and son, Anima. And they, they come up with new questions, and then I respond to them. That's all part of the process, actually. In the process, based on my field experiences and various key transformations,